real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is April 17, 2020. For me, it's a Good Friday, Holy Friday, where we mourn that um, Jesus has been crucified and, um, you know, everyone is just, uh, uh, you know, crying and waiting for the day, uh, you know, obviously on Saturday, uh, Friday night, early hours of Saturday that he passed and they uh, moved him along to his tomb. Uh, so for those of you that are celebrating, I wish you a great resurrection. Hopefully with uh, our president's announcement yesterday, our religious liberties will be uh, reinstated uh, because apparently you can go and get, you know, a facelift, but you're not allowed to go to church because that's not deemed an essential activity. So Today, I was going to have a guest on uh, the second part of this show, but it seems that, you know, <laughs> tech, right? And for someone who adores tech, I can say I'm a little bit disappointed at the, um, that the conflict that I am finding, but hey, I digress. I thought that today we um, revisit the concepts uh, that I've been talking about for a couple of years, which is the idea of reality hacking and where you are at and how things shape uh, and how we're controlled in the sense of, you know, all these echo chambers, what we're allowed to understand, what we are allowed to see and how we are allowed to respond. Um, and don't we just hate the word we're allowed? It's kind of like someone saying, you know, women shouldn't vote, you know, they should be in the kitchen making sandwiches. Okay. I'm happy making sandwiches, but if you tell me that's the only place I got to be, then I'm not happy making sandwiches. Make sense? None of us like to be told what to do or how to act or how to respond because we know from an innate source of freedom that we have within ourselves. So there are so many things that we already know and we dismiss. So many things that it's, it's as if we're wearing blinders that horses have that we see forward and we can see it coming. We can see it. We can identify it. But for some reason, we're unable to digest it and say, well, hold on a second. Let me turn this way and look uh, because we're wearing blinders. And these blinders are, you know, ideas and, and um, norms that have been superimposed on us, right? So I thought that we can discuss, first of all, uh, what's going on in the news and elaborate on how this weekend is going to be panning out. Uh, because this weekend, you know, my, my, uh, I, I'm going to tell you, yesterday seeing the president uh, come out, he was livid. I'm pretty sure he was expecting Barr to be by his side, just as I. Um, and he didn't get what he wanted. Instead, Barr was out uh, confirming that 5G needs to de be deployed faster and sooner rather than later in order to uh, come ahead of that of um, China. So I thought, first of all, let me just give a round of applause to the person who found, you know, Joe Biden's, you know, team, I am, I'm, I am 
team Joe Biden, whatever, or I am Joe Biden, where you could like upload a picture and put your name and share it so they can show support for Joe Biden. We totally hijacked that. And that was awesome. That is an example of how you hack the reality hackers. See, that was meant for all those sheep to put out their face, their, you know, whatever. It was the worst idea ever because that plan would have worked if people weren't awake. And what you're seeing is people waking up to the fact that their reality is being hacked and now they can see clear. It's kind of like my glasses. Okay. Never, ever, ever will I ever, ever, ever put on, you know, that liquid that, you know, that's anti-reflective stuff because my glasses are always dirty, right? So this is how I see it. People have been wearing glasses that are dirty and it skews uh, what you see for what? For the benefit of reflecting lights when you're driving. But when you're not driving and you're reading things or you're watching TV, they're all dirty, right? You can't see. This is how I would want you to see how we are as a people, that you can't see clear and we've traded that clarity off for just this, the, the, for the, for the sake of supposed safety when you drive. So, um, with no further ado, I'm going to, um, I think I want to start, okay, uh, with, uh, Hannity's piece on how, um, the plan to reopen New York is going to pan out. I think he did a really, really good job, uh, I love his pins again. Uh, he's wearing some incredible pins. And um, he looks really different, you guys. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed it, but he looks uh, a little bit more bushy-tailed and wide-eyed. Gee, right? I wonder why. Take a listen. His own irredeemable, deplorable moment today. We're going to show you what he said. Oh, Governor Cuomo, for a full hour on my radio show today, we patched up some differences. More importantly, how do we open New York City? How do we get Yankee Stadium o- open? How do we get, you know, the Jets and Giants and the Meadowlands playing? I have my own thoughts. I'll share them with you. But I got a definitive answer from the governor also on this question. Does this statement hold for you? If nominated, I will not accept. If drafted, I will not run. If elected, I will not serve. All right. This is what we call a tease. The answer later in the show. But first, let's get to the major news from the president earlier today. He unveiled. Finally, we can hopefully move on. It is the federal government's three phase plan to reopen America again, starting as early as May 1st, but actually earlier in some places. South Dakota never closed at all. Even their restaurants stayed open. Take a look. Based on the latest data, Our team of experts now agrees that we can begin the next front in our war, which we are calling opening up America again. And that's what we're doing. We're opening up our country. Our national shutdown is not a sustainable long-term solution. To preserve the health of our citizens, we must also preserve the health and functioning of our economy. Over the long haul, you can't do one without the other. My administration is issuing new federal guidelines that will allow governors to take a phased and deliberate approach to reopening their individual states. Now, you also have to remember, I'm in New York, New York, Long Island, hardest hit in the country. Uh, Thanks to farmers, 
they didn't shut down. Those that box up all their items, dairy, everything in between, they didn't shut down. Truckers, they got honored rightly at the White House earlier today. We'll get more on that in a second. Uh, those medical supplies, they didn't shut down. Pharmaceuticals didn't shut down. Those that build the masks and the gloves and the gowns and the respirators and the ventilators, they all were working. The whole country didn't shut down. Now, the details of this plan include what will be a data-driven, multi-layered model which allows governors to react to their own state and their unique circumstances. For example, as we talked a lot about, densely populated New York City will not be on the same timeline as uh, Montana or South Dakota, which never shut down anything. Instead of a nationwide schedule, well, the president's plan is broken into three phases. In order for a state to begin the three-step process, it has to satisfy federal guidelines surrounding hospital capacity, ventilators, available personnel, protective gear, masks, gloves, gowns, etc. This is now also in the hands of governors. Governors, wake up a lot of you. Some of you are asleep. Do your job. They are now asked for the ability to make these decisions. They got it. You now have the responsibility. And if the president and his task force see that you're messing up and hot spots are emerging, they will come down hard on you. Phase one recommends continued restrictions on non-essential travel. It discourages social gatherings of 10 or more people, calls for Americans to continue to work from home whenever possible. Phase one also recommends large venues like restaurants, movie theaters, even gyms. They can reopen, but you got to use very strict physical distancing protocols. And that would mean a lot of Purell, a lot of wipes. If the COVID-19 curve remains flat, states can then move to phase two. That phase, schools can reopen. Non-essential travel can continue. Bars can reopen with limits on occupancy. Bars are going to be tough. Ultimately, the last step, phase three, that would lift staffing restrictions in the workplace. It would also lift distancing restrictions on bars and restaurants. That allows visits to senior care facilities and hospitals to begin again. Each phase of the plan to get Americans back to work will take extra precautions now, especially in a place like New York City. Now, you got this very small geographic area, largest concentration of people, 11 million people. It's a it's a difficult task. Governor Cuomo of New York was on my radio program for an hour today. We talked at length about all of this. I shared my views. He shared his. But it'll take a little more work in a place like New York City. Take a listen. There's going to be a phasing in and it is going to be different. Uh, I don't know different worse. It might even be different better, but it's going to be different. Look, this is going to do what 9-11 did, right? If I ever told you before 9-11, you would have to take off your shoes when you go to an airport and walk through a metal detector on a line and have them go through your bags, people would say, uh, no, how, no way. But 9-11 changed our orientation. This is going to change our orientation. And people are going to want to change it. You know, they, people want to be safe, first of all. Now, it's because some of this is annoying as hell. Nobody wants to wear gloves and a mask. But for the time being, we're also doing it for the people that are most vulnerable. Underlying conditions, compromised immune systems. Now, over the past several days, New York has seen, thankfully, finally, tremendous progress. The flattening, now the decline. 
The models are holding, as we hoped they would. Wednesday, total hospitalizations dropped by 600. That's the largest decrease to date. Total intubations dropped by 40. That also the largest decrease. And the death rate is starting to decline. That is the lagging indicator, as we talked a lot about. For this progress to continue in a place as densely populated as New York City, look, I know it sucks. I'll be honest. Residents there will need to take important precautionary measures. Now, if you want my plan, we'll call it the Hannity plan. Mm-hmm. To reopen New York City would be the, it'd be the following. Masks and gloves temporarily might be the new normal in New York City. Even indoors, non-essential workers, uh, they're going to have to work from home. At least 50% of the workforce in every building in New York, 50%. All right. Before we continue this, I want to ask you a question. So where in the world do you see people walking around with masks and gloves without a coronavirus all the time? Right. So is it just that the only thing that has infiltrated our country is the Chinese virus? Because it looks like we're starting to look more and more like the communist party. It looks like we've been invaded and that we're using Chinese tactics. Am I wrong? Because I'm going to demonstrate that for you, uh, in this hour, uh, not only from the perspective of optics, because see optics is a really big deal. Optics is a really, really big deal. And I don't see why people don't see that. For example, you know, you put out a sign from far away, you know, on your window, people can see it as, I don't know, have a great day. But when you come up, it's something that doesn't say have a great day. It just says, you know, I support good days. Does that tell you anything? Mm. So optics is really important because optics implant into your subconscious memory. So if you're walking down the street and you see a flag that looks like something, but it's not it, it's done on purpose to register to you that it exists, that it is here, that it sits here. And this is the nerve center. These are things we need to remember. So optics is a really big deal. So think of it on a more nefarious side where it's not an encouragement, where it's not a reinforcement, where it's conditioning. This is it. Masks, gloves, you know, they have really fancy masks. Oh yeah, it's pollution. Come on, man. You want to hear pollution? I'll tell you about pollution. I've been to countries around this world that are built in valleys. So like, for example, Athens, Greece, perfect example, summer, right? It's built literally in a valley. The pollution is ridiculous because there you'll have like a two lane, (laughs) two lanes and they turn into five. It's like if anybody can drive in Italy, which I can say I have, (laughs) then you can drive anywhere in the world. It's like that. Uh, But what happens? The smog, you can see the film of smog just hanging over the top of your head. If you stand there like on a little bit of a more inclined, you know, road, like a, like a hill, you can see the smog laying over the city center. Why aren't they wearing masks? Optics. Optics, optics, optics. This is a really big deal. Optics is a key way of subliminally changing your habits and your thoughts. So it could be in a good way, like waving a flag that gives you the reassurance that it stands there, it's looking down, it's giving you love, it's giving you protection, or (laughs) masks. So you are conditioned to accept what? What What do masks do? They cover your face, right? 
They cover your face and for protection, they cover your face. So what does that mean? There is less connection between human beings. I'm just going to leave that there as I let Hannity continue this. Is the goal, keep them working at home. That allows more social distancing, less concentration on the streets and the buildings of New York City. Digital temperature checks. They don't touch you, put it at your forehead, bing, 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 boom. That has to happen to everybody entering any building. It should be mandatory, again, temporarily, into the if you want entrance into any building in New York City. I discussed all of this with the governor today. I would, I want to see Yankee Stadium open. I want City Field where the Mets play open. I want MetLife Stadium in New Jersey open for the Giants and Jets. Now, this is not my decision. But now you have to start with this one thing. People most at risk with underlying health issues or compromised immune systems. Guys, you shouldn't go. Not this year. You're going to have to take a year off. Every player, every trainer, every coach, every ticket taker, every food and beverage worker, anybody working in these stadiums will have to have that Abbott five-minute test. Have to. Anyone that wants to attend a game. Now, if I have the choice attending the game or not attending the game, I'm just speaking for myself. Consult your doctor. I'm not a doctor. But you must get the temperature test to get into any Yankee Stadium. You get the temperature test. If you have a temperature, they give you information. Uh, you go to your doctor, be safe at home, how to do contact tracing. No, can't have a database, got to respect medical privacy, but you can't be if you have a temperature going into any, any even outdoor stadium. Now, temporarily, again, not the best conditions, but if it's my choice and I have to wear gloves, a mask, okay, I'll wear it. I'd rather go and wear it. If everyone else is wearing it, we can suck it up for a couple of months until things are, have passed. Probably can't eat popcorn because you have to keep your mask off the whole time. But you probably could eat a hot dog. You take a, you open up your respirator, take a bite, and you chew it under your mask. Uh, I have to drink my beer if I'm at a game. So if I have to use a straw and slip it in, I'll do that. Whatever it takes to get my beer. I want to have a beer. Everyone's got to make their own decision. What is your appetite for any risk? You know, you get in a car, it's risk. You're going to have to decide, consult with your own doctor. I would rather have my temperature taken, drink beer from a straw, eat a hot dog by going like this and chewing it in a mass and not go at all. That's my decision. You make yours. Now, I'm pro-choice. I know this is not ideal, but if it's about saving the lives, especially of other people more vulnerable and getting our economy back up and running full speed as quickly as possible, I'll suck it up. And I think a lot of New Yorkers would suck it up and want to go to the game, wear the mask and gloves, and maybe the Yankees and the Giants and Jets and Mets can make their own mask and hand them out as you go in with their emblems on it. I don't know, just an idea. More money, right? Let's just make some money. And so he's telling you what what is happening. Social distancing, let's continue that, because your hands are going to give viruses. Because if you, you know touch someone like Fauci did the super spreader that Millie Weaver so nicely pointed out. He, you know, wiped his boogers on his sleeve. <laughs> then he patted on, you know, Pence. It's because it's, you know, boogers don't sit on your clothes. They just sit on your hands. Right. And something funny. So you guys can know if someone sneezes, just so you know, right. It doesn't have to land in your mouth and you don't have to inhale it. It could go in your eye. <laughs> and how do you know it's not floating around there? You don't. So here it is. Let's all terrify each other of connecting. Let's all terrify each other of being in proximity because by that you remove what? The, the human element. I'll bring an example. So 
a long time ago, when I was studying law in England, for whatever it be, I was in, you know, given a case. And this is a moot case for my GDL. And um, this case had to examine a case that discusses evil children, evil children. Listen to this. And so I think I've talked about this before. And I'm just going to summarize it. There were little children that were out somewhere in England and they took their baby brother, whatever, and took him to the train tracks. And, you know, what these little children that were, you know, under the age of 10 did to this baby was horrific. You know, this is going to make your stomach turn. They dismembered the baby, they killed the baby, and then they left it there to die. Dismembered by like taking arm out of socket. And the baby was screaming. But do you know how they were able to do that? They threw paint on the baby's face. Uh, they, de- they made it look as they detached themselves from allowing to see it as a human being to lack that content, that, 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 that context of, of bonding that they are you. It's like a cat killing another cat. You know, it'll more likely try to kill a dog than it will a cat because a cat is a familiar. So they created this distance of unfamiliarity. And counted it as just a thing. So they, this is this was the psychology behind it, and this is how when it went to trial, uh, you know, they just said some kids are just evil. But in essence, the actions that these children did, which have been studied for decades, was to create this distancing of seeing the other person as a human being, um, kind of like the way we see things on TV and movies, where someone gets shot or maimed or uh, hung, you know, uh, they have been conditioning people to be able to identify certain people, whatever people the movie wants to tell you, or in the case of the baby, the baby, as not really people. So what is the best way to cut out that connection we have is by not making us look like ourselves. And I hope you are getting what I'm trying to tell you, because this is how, you know, people walk over people, people don't see people as people anymore. And kind of like, you know, those, those parties where you see them eating off of human beings, they're not people anymore because they've been changed in their form, you know, dipped in a sauce or hanging out in a pool of chocolate and, or maybe putting sushi on a naked person. So at that point, that naked person with the sushi on them is no longer a human being, but a vessel to carry food. This is how you detach by creating that separation of connection that we have just by existing. Uh, why? We are, as I said, a collection of atoms vibrating at the same frequency. We ourselves dictate the borders of our shape, our fingers, our eyes, our head, obviously all these cells talking together. So you remain to look like a solid because on a molecular level, you're just a bunch of stuff, right? Hanging out together and vibrating at the same frequency to maintain the solid form. That is fact. That is science. So if you start to change your form so there's no interaction and you would say your hands, your face, come on Tori, your head's still exposed, your body's still exposed. This is, it is, but you're not mentally there for connection. Uh, Oxytocin is um, a molecule that you secrete 
when you're in contact. Have you ever, like when you go to kiss someone or hug someone, you get like these butterfly feelings or whatever. That's your receptors receiving it. It's like the feel good uh, molecule that you excrete. It's not pheromone. It's like a molecule that says, I feel great. And that molecule jumps on to the next person and gets them, you know, to fall in love with you. It's called the love molecule right? It's, there's, there's actually people that sell like nasal sprays to make you feel like that. You know, those butterflies you get when you're around someone that is, uh, uh, you know, your bodies, your two atoms talking to each other because it bounced off from your receptors due to proximity. It's due to proximity that this is released. And then if the other person is feeling like they like you, either that be, you know, just a friend or a lover, they receive that molecule and they give you that feeling, that feeling of, oh, I'm so in love. There's, it's because the atoms decide that they like each other, that they agree, that they should, you know, stay together, that they connect. You know, when people say, oh, I connect with you and I don't know what it is. It's because your molecules are vibrating at the same frequency. Sometimes you don't even need, uh, you know, your, you know, release of this chemical to, um, you know, have someone attract even your voice, even your, 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 your existence vibrates at that frequency where it attracts. And this is all science. I mean, I'm not, you know, giving you hippie mumbo jumbo. This is like science. Um, and you know, the fact that they wanted to make it a nasal spray is pretty funny, but, um, this is all part of this disassociation from one another. And, you know, China's everywhere. And right after this short break, we're going to talk about how it's affected our constitution, too. Um, aside from just masks and gloves and distancing. See you all in a bit. Forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. Every decision will be made to benefit American workers and American families. America will start winning again, winning like never before. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit of America. We will not fail. Our country will thrive and prosper again. Your voice, your hopes, and your dreams will define our American destiny. When America is united, America is totally unstoppable. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr. and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. Hi. 
I'm Laura Loomer, and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. Wouldn't it be horrible if we lived in a nation where journalists were silenced just because they confronted the political and media elite? You might think that could never happen in America, but it did. And to me. For confronting people like Hillary Clinton on her corruption and Ilhan Omar for her ties to radical Islamic terror groups, I have been banned on pretty much every single social media platform. And if that doesn't sound extreme enough, I'm also banned on Uber and Lyft. I know, I cannot understand that last one either. When this all happened to me, I contacted the media and members of Congress. I asked them for help. I kept calling, I kept emailing, but I never received a reply. And that's when it hit me. I'm a well-known journalist who has the phone numbers of the most powerful people in politics and media, yet I couldn't get any assistance. What on earth would the average American do if the same thing happened to them? I realized then that if I wanted to see change, that I would need to run for office. The American people deserve representation that listens to and acts on their concerns. So here I am, running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District, because the American people deserve a voice and a representative who, like President Trump, will keep the promises they make and speak up loudly and clearly for that silent majority. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So um, what we were talking about is how they are changing, uh, you know, what is happening. And, you know, I'm going to tell you a story, okay? Uh, there is... Um, there is something that I want to remind you where this, this idea of distancing people because they said, oh, maybe you can, you know, meet on, a, you know, on a more spiritual level because it's uh, more important for people to connect, you know, spiritually. Do you know where you first saw that? It's something called the corporation of uh, corporation headquarters, which is uh, somewhere that we saw with the Beatles. That is where it started, um, and that is actually the roof where the Beatles sang a very specific song. That um, you know, I, I I think maybe I can ask my audience to remember what video clip they put, um, you know, on that, and you know. Corporation headquarters is something that, you know, uh, you need to um, look at because, you know, who did we see um, get sick? Who was the one that opened up corporation headquarters again after the Beatles? Who revamped it? You know, you know, this is where you can see who was the star of the show where I mentioned that the news building, the head news building is News Corp in Corporation Headquarters. We've talked about this uh, in the past in uh, not so blatant fashion, but I want you guys to think um, which London building, well, which is called Corporation Headquarter, Corp's Headquarter, um, was the venue, well, we know the building, but what song was it? It was their final live performance. 
Did you know that for the Beatles? So I, you know, for all of you that are sitting at home because we're still under lockdown because, you know, the communist people of America keep saying that, right? Uh, and we'll talk about that because the first actual case in the United States was filed uh, uh, the day before yesterday, suing for violating rights. Because like I've been saying, when did the Constitution say that the Constitution no longer applies if what? If, oh, people get sick or if there's war. No, it applies at all times. So you have to think, huh? We have the headquarters of news, news corporations, all of them, all in the hands of very few. Where do they sit? One place. And when you realize that it is one group or one building where all this messaging comes out, this messaging that tells you that you must distance from another, that you have no rights because for the greater good, that tells you you must get into a database and test yourself if you want to enjoy the liberties that baseball gives you or, you know, football gives you or <laughs> basketball. You want your kid to go to school? You need to get on this database. We need to test you. But, you know, hopefully they'll stick to just non-contact <laughs> temperature taking, right? Because, you know, the president has never been more clear from day one when they started talking about this virus. I said, man, you know, we still don't get it. Obviously, this is an impeachment type push, but it's not him they want. It's you. And how many times has he said that? I'm standing. He is literally a one man show, right? Standing right between an army, a relentless army that is not bigger than us that wants to make sure they take you down in their headquarters <laughs> were built by who is now prime minister and was mayor reopened that building because it was at that time that the Beatles did their hmm, live performance off the roof, revamped new headquarters, huh? Where the news sit the echo chamber. And it is up to you and me and everyone. This is why huh, for a very long time, I've been saying we're the news. We are the news. We are the news. We're the news. So when you take a step back and stand on the moon and look down, just take a step back. You can see the heat map. You can see where it is being perpetuated. Who is initi initiating everything? Take a step back and take it above and beyond what you might even think. Because the reality is a reality that you can't fathom, <laughs> you know, kind of like in the movie Matrix, right? You know, picture yourself waking up in a pod, you know, after taking something out from behind your neck and seeing that you're just in this vast place where you're plugged into some reality. What would you choose? Plug me back in? <laughs> program has failed at that point because if you're plugged back in, will you not remember that you woke up in that nightmare? So, you know, the truth is stranger than fiction and we can see how it is perpetuated, how we miss things. So I wrote an article last night in regards to this case, this case that was filed in Ohio where, you know, it was so Gestapo that you couldn't even 
begin to fathom how Gestapo, aside from the fact that we're seeing people uprise, that's what they want, dude. That is what they want. They want you to go down to your capital and break stuff. They want you to set things on fire. That's what they want, but you shouldn't be doing that. What you should be doing is using the few tools that we have left that bind us to the foundations of this nation to avoid that fate. And that is the courts themselves. Use the tools that we have. And, you know, Ohio is the first state that stepped that up. If every single person out there with a small business, every single contractor, every single employee files a lawsuit saying that they have lost everything because you decided I needed to be locked up because your corporation headquarters, Corp HQ, uh, <laughs> comes in and tells me that being in proximity will some, with someone will kill me. Uh, my employer then decides that I need not work. I depend on people moving. I can't work. <laughs> you can sue them and they are, and they're going to win. I guess Ohio has a more intricate thing because this is where the people of Ohio can actually wake up. Because when I read the case, the one thing I saw is that they have this, uh, law, state regulation that says that the director of health who is unelected, unelected by the people and just simply appointed has more authority than every single senator that they voted for, house member they voted for, and even the governor. They take over everything. Not only that, the health director creates a commission themselves that they choose to handle disputes or resolve issues that come along with these mandates they put out. <laughs> Funny, right? And guess what? These mandates and these issues, and it's pointed out so well in the case, are not even entertained. Because in order, like for example, in this case, in order to file a dispute saying, hey, why did you classify my business as non-essential? It's actually, you know, not violating any health things. I do appointment only, kind of like how you get a facelift, right? Um, so why, you know, or even hairdressers. Where are my hairdressers? They're like, you can't go cut your hair. Why not? What if I have only one person at a time coming in to get their haircut? Nope, sorry, non-essential. But if you want to go buy beer or, you know, have hundreds of people in Walmart touching things and putting them in the cart, that's safe. Huh. You see, this is where you call them out. This is where you use the tools you have. I am all about peaceful assembly, but people get angry. Very easy. Because you know what? When we figure out we are duped, when we figure out that we are duped, that's it. And that's why my article was so perfect because we need to liberate America. We need to liberate Ohio. We need to liberate Minnesota, liberate Michigan, New York, California, because it's about you using the tools you have. Every single person out there that's listening to me now, do you know a lawyer who's a friend? Do you know someone? Are you a lawyer? Then file a case. I've attached in my article on ToriSays.com the actual filing. Take it, copy, paste it. Use your own stuff. Use your own business or a friend's business. File it, file it, file it. This will never happen again. And in the case of Ohio, huh, maybe you should squash that regulation because I want to see that happen in court. I want to see it discussed in the courtroom today at 2.30 where they're going to be in court. I want that to be brought up. I want to know which one of these idiots 
helped pass this Gestapo law. Because not only that, in that statement of the director of health of Ohio having the right to take over, uh, you know, in the case of a pandemic or whatever, they also have the right to create and enforce to give criminal punitive charge, you know, like there are measures you will get charged if you don't comply. And you know what that is? It's not, that includes, and it's not limited to mass vaccination programs, mass testing programs, you name it. The director of health has a 007 card to do it. This, (laughs) this all while you were sleeping, all while you were sleeping, they've done this. It's not about us inciting and going down and storming buildings because we're not like that. It's about using their weapons and turning it into good, just like the president used this infodemic and turned it into good. He's giving it to you. He can't do it by himself. I mean, he's using every single outlet he can and tiptoeing around snakes at every single corner. Corporation, News Corp, right there. And, you know, thanks, Boris. I mean, clones' lives matter, right? You know who's the co-executive chairman? You want to hear the name? Come on. Come on, guys. Rupert Murdoch. Need I say more? Need I say more on how these things just come full circle and how they come to be? This is it. They want you. They want you under their thumb. They want you to abide by their laws. No matter how unconstitutional they are, you must listen. And, uh, you know, News Corp went super above and beyond to make sure what? That you comply. They gave fear. That is exactly how you resonate on a lower frequency. That is exactly how they hold you hostage to your own thoughts. The thought of being in the presence of someone that might actually kill you. Oh, dear. This is how they're working. This is how they operate. And this is how they've been doing it for a very, very long time. So I thought it was important important for us to uh, play a clip from my favorite Tucker who spoke with you know where Jeff Sessions had a conversation and how he talked about suspending employment based immigration hmm think Sessions see people have underestimated Jeff Sessions he's quite stealthy and he's quite busy these days and for those of you naysayers saying well he's his Senate run is pretty much Toast, you know, the president of the United States has made that clear, obviously have not been paying attention. President Trump's attorney general, he's running to re-enter the United States Senate. He recently made this reasonable suggestion. How about a nationwide moratorium on immigration until America's unemployment rate has recovered from this disaster? Jeff Sessions joins us tonight. Senator, thanks so much for coming on. Um, Thank you. So tell us your proposal. I want to make sure I didn't misstate it. Well, we have about 1.4 million people that come to this country every year to take jobs. We just announced today 5 million more people on the unemployment roll. What, that 22 million now? Uh, There is no doubt it is in the interest of the United States of America to make sure that we get every one of those unemployed Americans the jobs first. 
I mean, it's psychologically devastating to a person not to have work. Uh, it undermines their yes. well-being and family. But in addition, uh, we have to help them financially if they're unemployed, whether it's Medicaid, Medicare, food stamps, unemployment insurance. So why bring in foreign workers to take those jobs when we should do everything possible, as you suggested, to get American workers that are unemployed in those jobs? That is such an obvious point, and I should note that you're employing the most basic economic principle of all, supply and demand, a tighter labor market means higher wages. Who could possibly object to that? And do most Americans agree with you, do you think? Well, I think the most Americans do agree with me. I think the polls are almost 90 percent that if there's a choice between who should get a job, the Americans should get the job over a foreigner. Give me a break. How simple is that? Who do we owe our responsibility to as uh, government and public officials? Uh, it's to the American people first. So that is absolutely true. And if we do this thing right, uh, we can minimize the number of people that are prolonged uh, in unemployment. But it's a scary time. It is very scary, and we need to be very alert to the dangers. Think about a college graduate today in May will be graduating. What kind of prospects do they have? We have almost 500,000 tech workers that come to America. Can't we figure out a way to make sure that our kids with maybe college debts uh, get those jobs first before we bring in foreigners. It's just, it's just the nature of the world today. We need to protect our own. It's the rational, moral, responsible thing to do. Well, I, I, this could be a long answer. We only have a minute left, but I have to ask you, since you worked in government for decades, if, if close to 90 percent of the public wants something to happen and it never happens going for many years, is this really a democracy? You are asking a fundamental question. This is the time that this issue and, and others like it are really raised to the level that the American people understand the issue. And it's not done surreptitiously under the table by establishment politicians on both parties, often supported by the yeah. low wage agenda of the uh, some of the corporate powers that be. Uh, then, then you can win. That's how I defeated and led the fight to defeat the immigration bills. It took a long time. But once the American people understood the bogusness of those bills, they turned against them and the politicians did. But until they really understood yeah. the nature of it, uh, it was on the pathway to passage. Now, this is a, a real political question of importance for America. People like yourself do help keep the American people informed. Just like Sessions said, these are very scary times. He told you in another way, this is what we have to be paying attention. He said the American people are finally paying attention because like Tucker said, 90 percent. 90% of the people want something done and it's not being done. What's going on? Well, it's not going to fly this time because, you know, people are paying attention because their livelihoods were at stake. People are paying attention saying, well, that's not normal. You know, if I want to go out and have a beer with a friend, I shouldn't have to wear latex gloves. By the way, what happened to all the, you know, visco girls with the no plastic? Right. Let's get to that. Right. So suddenly we're just going to be using a lot of plastic, but straws are banned. Look, 
The bottom line is they're controlling you to create a distance to make sure that each and every one of us see each other person as a threat. So that way there's this distance and they're also deforming you by forcing you to when you come in contact, wear things. Not only that, they're trampling all over your constitution and you are allowing it to happen. Thank God for that lawyer in Ohio that filed it. And I hope tons of, if you see the article and you're listening, I've posted it on Facebook and Twitter, or just go to torysays.com, share it with everyone. The whole lawsuit is there where he demonstrates how people disputed how the Gestapo decided you're a non-essential business. Well, what gives you the right to take away my livelihood? I actually have, I have a mortgage says, you know, in, in, in the thing, the plaintiff says, I have a mortgage, a line of credit that's covering my business. So you're taking away my house by shutting it down. At a period that I have the most business because I am, you know, a, a bridesmaid bridal shop owner. It's not like you see a hundred people sitting in a bridal shop. It's usually by appointment. Let's try on dresses, right? Let's give you some champagne, you know, have the little cards gay or nay, try it on, measurements. It's not like there's a massive group of people that come in. It's by appointment only. So how is that deemed a danger to society to remain open? This is just one example. Everything was not a danger to society. Everything. And if you notice around the world, they're using different and implementing different measures. North Dakota. Come on, guys. They've been social distancing since their inception. Your next neighbor could be 30, 40 miles away. Yet for some reason, the governor there, who also, by the way, is a Gates fan because he sold his company. He's a Microsoft executive himself, decides, let's create a program that traces your contacts and everyone in North Dakota should download it. So that way it's easier for us rather than ask questions. Uh, we'll just check your data. But see, in other countries like Korea and you know China and the UK, they're just using that information anyway they're not even asking i mean they're subjects in england they the queen says so australia you think they're not following your data on your phone you know of where you ping from where you're going who you're with what phone is in proximity to you you two just came in contact boy is there a third suddenly knock on the door knock knock why are there three people in this room one of you, you're all getting arrested. You're all getting tickets. They've told them, do not come in contact with each other. If you're more than one person together, do not have non-essential walks. So you want to get exercise. No, no, no. You're not allowed to. How dare you? It's non-essential. So you need to go back. Oh, did you take your car and park it somewhere far away? So that way you can walk and get some fresh air. No, no, no. You're not allowed. This is about you. They've been wanting you because they can't function without you. And if you are not compliant, then mm, that's a problem. Now, here's something that really concerns me, that Republicans leaders have come out and asked for the who to resign, the head of who, which is Tedros, which is best buddies with Renegade himself and Epstein because they piloted all this stuff in Ethiopia, right? They did. All these experiments, their friends, Tedros, sent his own people to the slaughter. They're asking for him to resign. Why? Take a listen. He's a Republican from Arkansas. He's a member of the Senate Armed Services Committee and Senate Select Intel Committee. And he has been isolating just like the rest of us. Good morning to you, Senator. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. 
All right, there's a little bit of a delay here. Uh, let's start with what do you th- make of, of the uh, president's plan to reopen the country? The president's plan is measured, it's judicious, it's the right approach. We can't set an arbitrary deadline. We can't have a single plan for the entire country. Obviously, some parts of the country have been hit very hard, like New York or Detroit. But other parts of the country, especially the rural parts, have seen very few cases at all. And as long as that remains the case, I think it's the right thing to do to encourage our governors to begin on a slow, gradual, calibrated basis to get people back to work, to get people back to their normal routines, taking appropriate measures like maintaining distances at the workplace or in shops, wearing masks and so forth. Obviously, we have to be prepared for any surge in new cases as we begin to do that. But I think it's the right approach to begin to get the economy back on its feet. Okay, let's uh, talk about the letter that Republicans sent to the president talking about um, funding for the WHO. I know that now Democrats are saying that he's violating the same spending laws that brought about impeachment. They're talking about impeachment again. The president's not allowed to do this and take away funding from the WHO. So in the letter that the Republicans sent, it said basically we need to just get the leader out of the WHO and then we'll continue funding. Here's an excerpt from the letter that uh, that was sent. We have lost faith in Director General Tedros ability to lead the World Health Organization. We understand and value the vital role that the WHO plays around the world, especially in acute humanitarian settings. We recommend that you condition any future fiscal year 2020 voluntary contributions to the WHO on the resignation of Director General Tedros. Have you heard anything from the president on that? Is he going to recommend the firing of him? Well, I think the only way we can have confidence in the WHO in the short term is if Dr. Tedros and his senior team leaves. They've got a, he has a well-established reputation for corruption going back to being a minister in Ethiopia when China was handing out bribes there as part of their Belt and Road initiative. And going back to the earliest days of this pandemic, the WHO, under his leadership, seemed to prioritize political correctness and sucking up to China. Okay, so I'm going to leave it there because we're going to start with this. It's called optics. So why are they doing this? Why is this redundant thing happening? It's called optics. Kind of like I said, flying a flag from afar. So it looks like something else, but it's not, right? Optics. And this is optics. Tedros. You heard it here first. Uh, many days ago about Tedros, Epstein, and all these experiments. And the communists have penetrated every facet of our nation. We'll get back to this and more. More right after this short break. See you in a bit.
Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. So we're going to start uh, this second hour with a song, and I want you guys to listen to the words. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be, 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 whisper words of wisdom, let it be. And when the broken-hearted people living in the world agree, there will be an answer, let it be. For though they may be parted, there is still a chance that they will see, there will be an answer, let it be.
by the Beatles. That was their last live performance. The last live performance they ever had. Mm. That is how you see how this uh, in history had told you where it's going to be. Let it be. There be there be there will be an answer, uh, you know, and there will be words of wisdom, and uh, you know where people can actually take a look. Now, I retweeted an article that I wrote over a year ago, pointing out to that really sly fox, Rupert Murdoch where I put his picture out for everyone to see, uh, you know, where Corp headquarters, corporation headquarters, the news building, and now revamped, and that was opened officially by the mayor of London, Boris Johnson, and... Um, well, then mayor of London, now he's the prime minister, um, and uh, Rupert Murdoch. So these, when you find the nerve center and you understand, you can see. You can see things better and understand how this war is being done, how they conceal things, and you must be reminded because they put all the information out there for you. So you can see it. You can breathe it. You can understand it. But for some reason, you're just not comprehending it. And that goes back to the blinders to understand how it moves forward. That's the thing. How it moves forward. Pretty interesting, isn't it? Because we are one in the same. We all work together. We all struggle together because whatever happens to me happens to you and then some and then some and then some. So the question is, where are they going with this? Now it's all coming out. Let's listen a little bit more about Tedros, something my listeners uh, were hopefully getting into a little bit more to understand how this all pans out. Remember the beginning of last year, I told you we're going to be seeing the entrance of AI and China. Obviously I'm telling you that in advance because the preparation for that to come out is a year done. And this year I told you it's the year of letting light in. It's not going to be there shining yet. Now that's going to happen in 2021, but this is where it starts. This is where people are asking questions and saying, hold on a second. Your numbers aren't making sense. Hold on a second. Now we're going for more impeachment. Hold on a second. Who are these people dictating? Hold on a second. Where are they found? How are they being paid? Wait till you guys get the concept that I have been saying how reality hacking is a real thing. And we'll get into that in another time. But for now, you understand the concept of you being embraced in this echo chamber. And while you're shouting to break out of that echo chamber and people are shouting from the outside coming in to break it up, it seems that they're growing even larger and larger and larger. And through Hannity's clip, did you notice how sly the fox is? Because why would you promote? I mean, he didn't. Uh, he went through it and he said, well, I'm, you know, pro-choice on this. Mm. He's never pro-choice, right? So there you go. Not trying to focus on what their name calls for, which is world health. 
Right. Uh, there's been a problem. We allowed China to get uh, dominance in there, dating back two administrations, and we found ourselves uh, caught. Meanwhile, let's talk about China. We watched Japan make a national movement to pull manufacturing out. We've seen statements from uh, the U.K. and France uh, showing how upset they are with the lack of transparency with this whole pandemic that has poisoned 180 countries. So uh, right now, with their economy shrunk at 7 percent, what, Tom, uh, Senator Tom Cotton, do you think should be the next step as more and more focus is on that lab in Wuhan that you talked about in January where you thought this thing could have emanated from? Yeah, Brian, the circumstantial evidence, which I began to cite in January, is stacking up pretty quickly that this virus may have originated in those labs in Wuhan. We knew from the very beginning that the Chinese Communist Party's front story about the food market was probably wrong. For one, it appears that they don't even sell the kind of bats at that market from which this virus originated. And two, Chinese scientists in an authoritative study as early as January found that about a third of the early cases had no contact with the food market whatsoever. We know that China has a very uh, sloppy history of laboratory safety. Some of our own diplomats at the embassies in uh, China went to these labs as far back as two years ago and said the, shape, yeah. the practices there were very alarming. And you can see how the Chinese Communist Party has continued to lie about this from the very beginning as if they have something to cover up. If that's the case, it really is the biggest, the costliest, the most deadly cover up in the history of mankind. No kidding. Senator, let me ask you about this. Um, you know, a lot of people wound up with $1,200 uh, directly deposited in their accounts over the last week or so. But because there's been such uh, conflicting signals from Washington about, you know, the SBA has, uh, Small Business Administration has run out of money right now for these loans and people don't know exactly what the next step is until the Senate does something and Congress does something. But regarding just those checks that people have gotten, I, oddly, it seems like there's a lot of misinformation. I had two people ask me, they said, okay, that 1200 bucks. I've got to pay it back next year, right? And I said, no, you get to keep that. This is not a this is not a loan or anything like that. It's to stimulate the economy and to get you to buy groceries and everything like that, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. For anyone making less than $75,000 or any family making less than $150,000, it's $1,200 a person, $500 per child. Those are simply payments designed to help our people get through the worst of this crisis. It doesn't have to be paid back in the future. It's designed to make sure that you can put food on the table at the end of the week, that you can pay the bills and keep a roof over your kid's head at the end of the month as we get through the worst of this crisis, hopefully sooner rather than later. Those checks are designed as an emergency lifeline for our families. Senator, our anchor and friend, Brett Baer, um, who lives in D.C., is talking to these lawmakers on both sides, left and, and right. And he said that they're, they're discussing a possible payback for China, and one path could be suing China. All right. So before they get into that, I want you to contemplate what he said. So you're not paying it back because you remember how CNN and all of them, all of them out of their headquarters is sitting there telling you what's happening when they don't even know what's happening. Right. Because they have no sources anymore. This is why President Trump called them out. Nope. Nobody talked to Fauci. You don't know what Fauci said because Fauci's been in a box. You don't know anything. They don't know anything. They're speculating. So here they are saying, well, you're going to have to pay that $1,200 back. You're not.
So they've made it clear. Now, how many of you have gotten your stimulus? I know my daughter got hers. I haven't gotten mine yet, but I had to actually put my banking details in there. Um, you know, I did that two days ago. But, you know, how many of you have actually gotten those checks? You haven't. And now they're, you remember how Pelosi was like, you're not going to get it because he wants his signature. Well, other people already got it by the time she was tweeting it. So how is it possible? There's a lot of people that got the stimulus. So how is it possible that we're waiting for him to put his signature on a check when, um, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, people's already received it. So there's $1,200 to each adult and then uh, whatever it is for each child, um, you know, is for you to use for your livelihood because they have stripped you of that right, um, which is pretty incredible considering that that's not really a lot. Think about it. For those of you that haven't been able to work, for those of you that have been laid off, for those of you that have filed unemployment and everything's still pending and you can't get anyone on the phone because coronavirus, right? Everything's because coronavirus. That's all. Coronavirus. Sorry. Coronavirus. <laughs> so here is where it comes to the crunch. What are they telling you? They're giving you mixed messages. Here's another mixed message that you should listen to carefully uh, that they put out. Class action lawsuit for their negligence in this. Is that possible? Yeah, Ainsley, with legislation I've introduced with Dan Crenshaw, it will be possible. It amends the Foreign Sovereign, Sovereign Immunities Act, which allows foreign officials to be sued in our courts. This is exactly what Congress did for the victims of 9-11. We should do it for the victims of this pandemic. That's just one step that we can take. There's a lot of other things we can do as well. For instance, revoking Chinese visas for the kids of Chinese oligarchs who are studying in advanced scientific computer science and uh, other kinds of technological fields. They go mm -hmm. back to the United States. Or simply bringing back more of our manufacturing capacity so we can right. create jobs here, jobs that are going to help ensure our safety and our health in the future. Senator, I'm going to put you in a difficult position. I'll put you in the White House for a second. The president's in a tough spot. He's close to doing a deal with the other economic uh, uh, behemoth, and that's China. Uh, at the same time, he knows they're responsible. At the same time, he knows currently we have a lot of our manufacturing there and a lot of our PPE. We need to come out of there. How do you do this gradually in a way that's diplomatically savvy and not emotional at a time like this where currently we are interlocked? Yeah, Brian, sadly, we're in the situation where China does uh, have the market cornered on things like masks and gloves and other medical supplies, even on some of the components for testing. Uh, and just this week, it was reported that China is withholding a lot of that medical equipment from the United States yeah. on spurious grounds. Uh, so obviously, we don't want to rush into this change. We don't want to say that we're going to put um, import bans on Chinese goods in place next week because we have to have those goods now to protect our doctors and our nurses and all the people who are struggling with this virus. Wait a minute. So you're saying you're going to sue them. Then you're like, we're not going to stop importing the stuff that they need to send us because we need to help fight this virus, which this virus isn't that big of a problem because we're able to sustain, you know, flu influxes, but not this one, which is highly specific because the aggregation of deaths or people actually having this virus are all in, I don't know, like blue states. So, um, so here we have, you know, this panic when there is no panic because we talked about this before we were even put on lockdown talking about the relationship between HIV and malaria and hydroxychloroquine and anti-malarial drugs and how the virility and blah, 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 right? We talked about it and they don't want you to know about it. They don't want to talk about it. Actually, your news corporations do this. Take a listen to this. 
Oops, let's put that on. Medical experts, President Trump is now promoting the use of an anti-malarial drug that isn't proven to treat coronavirus yet. I'm not a doctor, but I have common sense. Actual doctors are hedging their bets, warning there's no medical proof that hydroxychloroquine will work and cautioning that it's still being tested. Wouldn't know that from listening to the president. And there are signs that it works on this, some very strong signs. Experts say they have concerns about the well-known side effects of the drug, including fatal heart problems. You could lose your life. It's unproven. Last week, the Food and Drug Administration granted emergency approval for the White House's plan to distribute millions of doses to coronavirus patients, though no substantive trials have been completed yet. But we don't have time to go and say, gee, let's take a couple of years and test it out. And let's go and test with the test tubes and the laboratories. At the briefing yesterday, Trump was standing next to Dr. Anthony Fauci, the country's top infectious disease expert. But when a CNN reporter asked Dr. Fauci for his opinion on the drug, it was Trump who answered instead. And what is the, what is the medical evidence? Maybe yeah. 15, 15 times. Trump's push for the drug has caused tensions inside the White House and even led to a heated disagreement between Dr. Fauci and Trump's top trade advisor, who doesn't have a medical degree. My qualifications in terms of looking at the science uh, is that I'm a social scientist, I have a Ph.D. Peter Navarro brought a stack of papers to a White House Situation Room meeting that he said was proof the drug has worked. Fauci pushed back, arguing that any decisions should be based on actual data. Two words for you, second opinion. Trump left that meeting and headed straight for the briefing room, where he told reporters this. I may take it, okay? I may take it. And I'll have to ask my doctors about that, but I may take it. So Jake, he not only said he would consult with his doctors, uh, something that people do not think is likely that he's actually going to take that drug, but he also told Americans to consult with their own doctors before they made any steps with that to talk about the drug that he has repeatedly and continually pushed from the White House briefing room. All right, a national lesson in the Dunning-Kruger effect. Caitlin Collins, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Just minutes ago, the Dow closed up 1,600 points, the stock market's best day since March 24th. This comes as pieces of the stimulus bill uh, continue to roll out. A new hotline for lenders today is supposed to help the stimulus program for small business loans after Friday's chaotic launch. This all comes after Wells Fargo said today that it maxed out on its $10 billion cap on loan applications. Let's bring in CNN's business anchor, Julia Chatterley. Uh, Julia, good to see you. An industry source told CNN for just one loan, it took 72 minutes on the application site. It crashed 13 times. Three different people had to try to do it. Is the technology there for this kind of demand? Not on this scale. All right, guys. So before we get into that topic, and I let it run by accident, and I'm going to rewind it so we can start on there where he's talking about Wells Fargo. I want to talk about hydroxychloroquine, and I want to play for you a clip just so you see how they're fighting, um, you know, the president on every single facet, on every single turn. Um, You're going to hear uh, something... 
pretty interesting right now, just so you can see how they try to manipulate you into thinking things. So here's a report from, uh, you know, how Rita Wilson complained about extreme side effects from the malaria drug hydroxychloroquine when she was sick with the coronavirus, which like I said yesterday, she could have just chosen to die, right? (laughs) If she didn't want to take it. Take a listen. Wait, no, no. Wrong one. Here we go. Where is she talking? Oh, great. It's not. Anyway, it's not going to work for me, guys. And I have the sound bite. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you. She said, you have to be very considerate when thinking of using it. She said she had extreme side effects uh, to this drug for coronavirus. Um, even though President Trump has said that it's a treatment, we have the cures. We have everything we need. Why are they pushing back? It's like they want us to die. Think about it. And it says that the drug isn't approved against the coronavirus, Okay. And that the drug isn't approved uh, um, against the coronavirus. We heard CNN, but doctors can still prescribe it. We know that it's off label, kind of like Viagra was for blood pressure, and then they off labeled it for erectile dysfunction, right? And then they marketed it as such. So um, what's incredible is um, Wilson, Rita Wilson, told Gail King on CBS, "I don't know if the drug worked or it was just time for the fever to break, but my fever did break. But the hydroxychloroquine had such extreme side effects," she said. It was horrible, and that's her first interview, um, you know, that she had after her husband was supposedly diagnosed. So she had a fever. Uh, you know, she doesn't know if um, it's working, and apparently they got coronavirus at some point, and this is what happened. Uh, she also said that I was completely nauseous and I had vertigo. Oh, you mean like side effects that simple antibiotics can give you. Did you know that um, in animals, antibiotics cause um, ear up, you know, middle ear and outer ear um, issues. In women, it actually increases the likelihood of them getting yeast infections, right? I'm just saying in men, when you take um, antibiotics, uh, men are more prone because men and women over 50, let's put it this way, because that's usually when they go through menopause, are more prone to have high blood pressure when they take antibiotics. Because remember, this is a foreign agent trying to remove another foreign agent. So it's kind of like war. If you have two people battling in the ground, obviously the dirt's going to scuff up. There might be a few flowers trampled on. But then after the war is over, it's done and dusted. It recoups. These are what, this is how you should see side effects for any drug. So this was ridiculous that they're pushing it as a notion for people to, you know, thump off of. And it's it's completely wrong. Now, speaking of the who and speaking of um, money. So first of all, I want to say that the World Health Organization was reluctant, if you remember that clip that I played a couple weeks ago, to acknowledge Taiwan. And the president today tweeted out, why did the World Health Organization ignore an email from Taiwanese health officials in late December alerting them to the possibility that coronavirus could be transmitted between humans? Why did the World Health Organization make several claims about the coronavirus that were either inaccurate or misleading in January and February as the virus spread globally? Why did the World Health Organization as long as it took as long as it did to take decisive action? And um, 
You know, that was Lan He Chen from the Hoover Institution. She's a fellow there that said it on Fox News. So the question you should ask, what's going on with Taiwan? Like they didn't want to acknowledge that Taiwan existed. Remember, go back to the to, to I think it was a couple of weeks ago when I played the clip where the Taiwanese person was where a person was asking the World Health Organization why they aren't taking in the numbers or recognizing that Taiwan because they can't acknowledge Taiwan is an independent state because that's Chinese territory, right? According to the Chinese that they're not independent, that they're China and they're just pulling off. So now they're going to be forced to acknowledge Taiwan and they're going to be forced to talk about Taiwan because Taiwan, the one that broke from the CCP, right, is the one that blew the whistle first. You don't want to point out the whistleblower that said it first. So now we move on to the next step of this turning something good, uh, you know, that was, that was uh, something intended for evil turning into something good. We got the stimulus, right, for all these businesses, right, all these businesses. But who do we see? Wells Fargo, Chase, all shutting down, saying they're capped out. Why so? Why are we bailing you out and you bail out when the people need you? This is why I stopped this, because I want you guys to listen to the excuses that the big banks are giving as to, oh, we're overwhelmed. We have a cap. We have this. Well, you have the most customers because you're mainstream banking. You should have the same capacity that the community banks have that have been you know, issuing these loans almost instantly. The big banks are not. They're dragging their feet. Why? The big banks are in bed. Why? Why are we bailing them out? If they can't come to the table and just extend and help the people when they need it, then why do we have them at all? So take a listen to how, you know, Jake Tapper, who by the way, looks really, really tired. And, you know, I pray for him. He never asked for this. Um, you know, how tired he is and what he says in regards to these business loans and personal direct deposits, obviously after our break. Forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. Every decision will be made to benefit American workers and American families. America will start winning again, winning like never before. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit of America. We will not fail. Our country will thrive and prosper again. Your voice, your hopes, and your dreams will define our American destiny. When America is united, America is totally unstoppable. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr. and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, 
go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. Hi, I'm Laura Loomer and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. Wouldn't it be horrible if we lived in a nation where journalists were silenced just because they confronted the political and media elite? You might think that could never happen in America, but it did. And to me. For confronting people like Hillary Clinton on her corruption and Ilhan Omar for her ties to radical Islamic terror groups, I have been banned on pretty much every single social media platform. And if that doesn't sound extreme enough, I'm also banned on Uber and Lyft. I know, I cannot understand that last one either. When this all happened to me, I contacted the media and members of Congress. I asked them for help. I kept calling, I kept emailing, but I never received a reply. And that's when it hit me. I'm a well-known journalist who has the phone numbers of the most powerful people in politics and media, yet I couldn't get any assistance. What on earth would the average American do if the same thing happened to them? I realized then that if I wanted to see change, that I would need to run for office. The American people deserve representation that listens to and acts on their concerns. So here I am, running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District, because the American people deserve a voice and a representative who, like President Trump, will keep the promises they make and speak up loudly and clearly for that silent majority. All right. Welcome back, everyone. You have that silent majority. Did you guys notice how President Trump called out Keith Ellison, by the way, and Laura Loomer had been telling the world about it years ago, and now it's coming to fruition. Liberating America is what we need to do. Liberating the people is what we need to do. And this stronghold they have keeping you in this echo chamber is incredible. So now let's get to see and parse out what they have to say about the people that rule our pockets, right? The people that have been ruling our pockets for a long time. And like Session said, you're born with debt. Think. It crashed 13 times. Three different people had to try to do it. Is the technology there for this kind of demand? Not on this scale, not on this size, and not on this speed. That's what we've learned over the past few days. Remember, the dollar amount of lending we're talking about is 10 times the size of what the Small Business Administration did in the whole of last year. So the technology glitches here, I think, are vast. If you imagine the billions of dollars that banks have tried to agree to loans just in the past couple of days, Bank of America, I heard, did $25 billion worth of loans on Friday. They then have to upload all that information manually to the Small Business Association website. So 13 crashes in order to do that, to me, given the volume we're talking about, makes sense. There are all sorts of issues for all sorts of sizes of lenders here, Jake. The only good news I can give you is I spoke to the chief of the um, banking association that represents the vast majority of lenders. He said Amazon is helping the SBA with their website. And he said the money will flow by Wednesday and Thursday this week. You have Wells Fargo already tapped out. Citibank and Chase had trouble uploading applications to the Small Business Administration, the SBA. If this is the situation for big banks, how do the smaller community lenders, how are they able to do it? They're struggling with the same issue. 
not necessarily in terms of the scale of loans, but with the sheer inability to be able to give all the borrower information to the Small Business Association. I heard from one community bank that had three people. That's the only size pe amount of people that they could have adding this information to the website. They asked for a hundred logging credentials, they were given two extra. It's a problem for banks of all sizes. What I heard today, Jake, as well, is that the website itself went down at around 1 p.m. Eastern time, so no one was uploading information. I struggle to... Uh... She struggles, but I think we missed it. Take a listen to this. Had three people. That's the only size pe amount of people that they could have adding this information to the website. They asked for a 100 logging credentials, they were given two extra. It's a problem for banks of all sizes. What I heard today, Jake, as well, is that the website itself went down at around 1 p.m. Eastern time, so no one was uploading information. I struggle to... She struggles. Did you hear how she said Amazon is helping too? Do you see? They struggle. Only two logins. Only able to do. Why? Because we need to pay attention. We need to follow what they are doing. We need to be able to see what they are doing. That's the thing. Uh, it's pretty interesting how people don't seem to uh, see it when it's in front of them. You won't even, you know, it's kind of like Jesus. They didn't believe he was he was who he says he was, even though he was right in front of them, proved exactly what they needed, gave them the tangible evidence, and still they cannot see. Give you an optimistic view of what we're seeing here. There's so much demand, and the technology can't keep up. Today, former Federal Reserve Chair Janet Yellen said that the unemployment rate, she believes, is, is likely 12 or 13 percent and, and going to continue going up. She also said unemployment might reach depression levels. We should be on the air at 6 o'clock. She's not alone uh, making this prediction. Have you heard anyone say how long this unemployment might last? All the predictions suggest that we won't see a recovery now until the fourth quarter or into the first quarter of 2021. But Janet Yellen, former chair of the Federal Reserve, the central bank, was very calibrated. She said it's going to look and feel like a Great Depression. But this is different because the hope is that we can get back to business to quote her as soon as possible. Jake. Yeah, the only way we're really, 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 really getting back to business is by doing what? <laughs> Pretty much getting rid of the Fed as a whole. But that won't come till later because America is going to be better than ever, stronger than ever. The economy is going to be so insane after this. It's incredible because as they sit, as they try to maim us, as they try to keep us down, as they try to box us in, we are requesting, give me liberty or give me death. And you know, they don't like that. You're not allowed to think that. You're not allowed to eat even notion that you are supposed to sit in the box and listen to what they say, because if you don't, you're going to die, you know, coronavirus. This is how they control you. This is how they tell you what to think. Here is how a Chinese professor <laughs> attacks the president of the United States. If, if the virus comes back in the fall, some, tired, some scientists think it may, we'll get rid of it quickly. 
pop. Do you know why they're saying this? Let me explain to you the science. So, you know, when we were younger, our parents used to take us, they used to take us into like these, you know, chicken pox parties (laughs) and, uh, you know, uh, measles parties. I did. This is how you got infected. Let it ride its course. You know, you had your fever, your itchy, your welts, but then done. Well, there's a science behind that. Because for myself, which I know that I have built in immunity to uh, SARS type viruses uh, because I've been tested before and because of my makeup, I know that if I sit next to someone and I associate with someone that, uh, you know, may (laughs) share a glass of water with me or anything, not saying they might get the virus from me, right? Just being around me in a more benign fashion where it's allowed to be trainable. So they'll get sick, but they won't get super sick, right? It's called something like herd immunity. The fact that they have locked us up so we can't all have that herd immunity is important because that is a natural, you know, response to things, herd immunity. And here is what they're banking on. Well, we've segregated you. And remember how I said, oh yeah, we're going to have the second wave. I said this a long time ago, huh? Because it's normal. That's how flus go. You have the flu. The flu season is actually January, February, dies off in March and then reappears around October. That's why they keep giving flu shots. Too. So listen to how they're, they're going to point this out again when people start getting sick again. If the virus comes back in the fall, some, ty- some scientists think it may, we'll get rid of it quickly. Here's why that's an issue, especially for business leaders. Because remember, business leaders, doesn't matter what industry that you're in, they're risk managers. It's not going away and coming back in the fall. This is with us and will be with us, what, what business leaders are thinking, how are we going to manage this, understand the numbers, and get this done until we get a vaccine, which again, we don't know the answer, Bill Gates said earlier today, maybe 12 to 18 months. So it's distressing for business. If the virus comes back in the fall, some, ty- some scientists Listen again. Today, we'll get rid of it quickly. Here's why that's an issue, especially for business leaders. Because remember, business leaders, doesn't matter what industry that you're in, they're risk managers. It's not going away and coming back in the fall. This is with us and will be with us. What what business leaders are thinking, how are we going to manage this, understand the numbers, and get this done until we get a vaccine, which again, we don't know the answer. Bill Gates said earlier today, maybe 12 to 18 months. Ha, this clown, this woman, terrorizing businesses. Hey, if you open up and you have this, you know, you're going to get it again and you're going to get smacked down again. So here's where the second October surprise wave comes. They totally love uh, the end of October, don't they? And this is where it comes in where it's like a second wave of, yep, now we have to go to mail-in ballots because we don't have any mitigation and we need elections. And whatever you're saying, President Trump doesn't work. This is why we need to preemptively create it in a sense that there is optimal distance, optimal safety, and we'll hand out gloves, disposable pens, and masks as we vote. And we will spread out the presidential vote over days because then they can't argue with it. They can't force you to use a mail-in ballot, but here's the other thing. (laughs) We have to check ID because we got to make sure that your name (laughs) is in the list of groups that that can vote. So in my county, it should be A and C can vote on the 1st of November, and we'll just drag 
drag it out and there'll be reporting details and you know it'll be a long election because everyone loves long elections and drawn out and you know let them fudge the numbers right hoping that mail-in ballots and absentee ballots will come and fill in the gap for them guys this is going to be glorious if we play it right we can let them play with us but it can be glorious they cannot stop what's coming like this is going to be glorious like this is where it's like they're going to be like oh my gosh you know if biden's still there biden is in the lead you know now and you're up to the letter t for example oh t terminate let's you know look over there look joe biden's in the lead in all these states and we're gonna say and they're all fake numbers right they're just trying to convince the rest of the population that's to come to vote. Go for Biden. Well, that can backfire. That could totally backfire because that'll just get more people that weren't thinking of going that were like, well, I don't know if I should have my house aid roll me out to go vote. But if Biden's going to be coming in, I best get someone to take my wheelchair and take me there. This is how you win. Let them. You, you, if you play on the turf of your enemy, and you know they're your enemy, and you don't let them know you know their plan, then it's perfect, right? It's kind of like me and backgammon. You don't want to play backgammon with me. And whenever I enter into matches with people on backgammon, I'm like, yo, you don't want to play with me because I'm really, really, really good. I'm really good at this, um, and you're going to lose. And, you know, I walk into their turf. I play with their, you know, their version of backgammon because there's like three different types of games and they still lose because even though they're on their turf, I know the game. I can predict. I can count faster. I can, 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 can. So I know the game. I'm trying to give you that simile so you can understand that huh, this is a game, but it's not a game because our lives are at stake. We are at stake. Uh, that's the thing. Now, this virus as well that we've actually taken something evil and turned it into good, remember, has a high specificity because there are very specific individuals that are getting coronavirus. One person that I've told you that no one talked about were presidents of big healthcare institutions. So the president of the New York, Greater New York Health Association died of coronavirus in the beginning of March. And that went unreported. Uh, Want to talk about Kaiser Permanente, one of the biggest California groups? Huh? Why aren't they talking about it? The high specificity, the high concentration. And you know, a lot of people are like, China, it's all their fault. China, this. Well, the Communist Party is at fault. But do you really think that President Xi would sacrifice his own people? I mean, a lot of people would say yes. But I'm telling you, the, the route for its distribution was to demonize and create bigger fraction and punish because they've been biting the hand that fed them for so long. You know, you have to ask yourself, why China? Why didn't it come out of Russia? Right. Why didn't it come out of Russia? Why didn't this virus come out of Russia? Think about it. Right. Why China? Well, China just struck a deal with the U.S. China is the backbone of manufacturing for all of them. China is how they pilot everything. China has everyone in their pockets in Africa. China, China, China. They made you think that North Korea is our enemy, but are they? They made you think that Russia is your enemy, but are they? 
This is where we go. And speaking of Russia and enemies, I'm going to shift a few gears and just kind of talk about this a little bit. But we're going to get into in-depth information about this next week. And this is about Russia and the START Agreement. I, I think I'm probably the only person talking about the START Agreement. Remember, we talked about how Putin had requested that um, – we renegotiate the start agreement. The start agreement is about nuclear weapons and more so, you know, he said, the concern that I have is what if we have nukes falling out of the sky? Ha. So here is where, you know, this, uh, you know, our perspective needs to come into play. If you noticed you, the, the space command actually put out a report, uh, calling about Russia's, uh, de uh, the D asset test. So basically, uh, they have a test of a weapon that is capable of destroying satellites in our lower, lower orbits. And so General uh, Jay Raymond, which is great to hear from him, and I'll, um, and I'll retweet it right now so you guys can get it. So Spacecom.mil put out an article just a couple days ago, and I responded to it. It only has like 30 to 37 responses. Like no one pays attention to Space Force. Of course they wouldn't because <laughs> Space Force. Um, he pointed out how there's, there are growing threats to our space systems, right? And, you know... We want to deter aggression and defend the nation and our allies from hostile acts. Now, Russia wasn't conducting a hostile act. They were testing on mitigation and how to take things out. Don't forget, I mean, how did we find Soleimani? Space Force, you know, these payloads being deployed. So what's, what's interesting is, is that this happened and still no start agreement discussion, still no news of it. I'm pretty sure that it's happening in the background, but there is no discussion about all of this. Uh, you know, Space Force had a virtual town meeting uh, on Facebook about um, almost, uh, it was today around this time. Uh, no one entertain that. No one discussed that. And you know, one thing that the mainstream media isn't doing, they're not telling you anything about Space Force. They won't respond to anything about Space Force. They want you to not look at Space Force. In the meantime, Esper, uh, the Secretary, <clears throat> Secretary of Defense, is talking about, uh, you know, uh, Russia, airspace, and their mission. I want you to listen to this carefully. While we continue to support the whole of nation, whole of government response to this global pandemic, we continue our very important national security missions, such as performing counterterrorism missions from Africa through the Middle East to Afghanistan, conducting freedom of navigation operations and patrolling the high seas to ensure freedom of navigation around the globe, monitoring North Korean weapons tests, improving our defensive posture in Iraq, escorting Russian bombers out of U.S. airspace, deterring Iranian bad behavior, working with our Afghan National Defense and Security Forces and Resolute Support Mission partners in Afghanistan, continuing and enhanced counter-narcotics operations in the South Gom area of responsibility, working with our NATO allies in Europe, and continuing to defend our interest in space. In fact, last month, the Space Force launched its first satellite into orbit. 
Um, so he mentioned Space Force because, you know, sleet, snow, what is that, uh, you know, term that, uh, you know, <laughs> our postmen use, which now want to get privatized. So bizarre, because if it becomes private, then it's not a federal crime to open up people's mail, is it? <laughs> so we need to um, kind of talk about that, right? Um, and I, I will be writing an article about that. And we need to have a conversation about that, because as they're trying to push to privatize these these foundations that maintain our rights according to the Constitution. I mean, what's the use of the Constitution of privacy if you can't federally regulate a private company? Think about it. Like I said, we have everything we need. Why isn't, you know, the, the Attorney General Barr just storming TAC, storming CGI, storming Lockheed, sc- storming all of them? Clear force. We're going to talk about that one day. Clear force. Not one day, very soon. Why aren't they storming and taking all their hard drives, every single document they have? Why aren't they storming Iron Mountain so they can take out all the saved information that they have, their blackmail, everything. Why? Because they're private companies and they're not regulated. This is how the government entities that wish to work against humanity operate. They won't do it. They're not going to send you a guy that's a desk jockey from the CIA to go penetrate an organization. No. They're going to have a vendor who then is going to have a vendor who then is going to have a vendor to hire someone like you or I to go and do it for them. If you get caught, it's like, oh, we didn't know. Oh, this is a big problem. You know, all these companies, uh, man. It's so right in front of our face. And, you know, again, let's appreciate what the president is going up against. Let's appreciate everything he has to fight against. Let's appreciate the silent war. It's not really silent, right? It's super. It's so loud that it's on other decibels, right, that you can't hear it. It's just, it's like in the dog hearing range, right, where they listen to whistles that we can't. So these are all you know, challenges that our president is now mitigating on all fronts from the fronts of them trying to steal your liberty. So he's pushed back ID 2020. He's nixed it in the bud about federal enforced testing, right? So now he's leaving it up to the States, which means that we have to file lawsuits and thank goodness the state of Ohio already has the first one going live in the court in about about 30 minutes where they can destroy the law that says that they can cause, they can implement programs and deploy them and hold you accountable with a misdemeanor and fines and jail time if you don't comply. This is a, this Gestapo rule, you guys. So he has handed the reins over to the state so that way the, the people can mitigate it. I mean, you know, even though Ohio, when the people were storming, you know, the Capitol, they looked like it was from a zombie apocalypse. And for me, I love the guy Fox mask in the background. That was like super awesome. But it looked like something from a zombie apocalypse. Guys, we're all zombies. Hmm. While we were sleeping, they've been taking away every single little bit of liberty we have. You know, fast forward. Let's say that the U.S. Postal Service is now private and someone has been intercepting your mail and reading it and or doing whatever they want or stealing it or anything. Um, You know, right now it's a federal crime to open up a person's letter that's not addressed to you. Well, is it going to be a federal crime if it's a private company? No, it's not. You're going to have to subpoena and ask for records, which can easily disappear. (laughs) And it's going to be your word against theirs. So there it goes. There won't be any oversight. So your constitution no longer applies to that facet of your life. You know, 
How's this? The internet, right? How can we apply the right to privacy? How can, when, when we have back doors everywhere, how can we apply the right to access to public utilities when it's private? You can't, you have to acknowledge that that private company is a public utility. But then if you acknowledge that Twitter, Facebook, Google, all of these public utilities, since the majority, 90% of all their contracts are with government entities, I mean, that should satisfy it. It's like saying, oh, you know, I work for McDonald's, but you know, 90% of your paycheck comes from, I don't know, the CIA. Um, so are you an employee of McDonald's because you're wearing an outfit in your hand and you're like taking orders or is it the CIA? Cause they're the ones paying you to sit there and take the orders. That is how you put things in perspective. And, um, I tweeted out perspective and it's very important that we see it because everything has a double meaning. It's like those uh, pieces of art where you walk up to it and when you're up close, it looks like an old woman. And when you pull back and you see it from the moon, it's a, it's a young man, right? Or anything perspective, kind of like you see a flag that looks like something from afar, but when you get up close, it means something else, which, you know, is called optics. Kind of when you see hydroxychloroquine being, you know, very similar to other words, Double meanings are all about optics and perspective. Um, and that's something that you learn. Hey, where are my coders at? You're a coder, right? How is optics? How do you use code to do two things at once? It's all about coding correctly, coding things correctly, right? Coding things the right way. Double meanings. <laughs> They're all there right in front of us and we're not seeing it because we don't want to. We're supporting certain activities. You know, we're employing the people. Can you see how, how the Trump administration has employed every single American to do the work that they cannot outright do? I mean, you know, how many times have I say, said that Tom... <laughs> Judicial Watch Fitton, every time he drops a lawsuit, it's like he grows more muscles, right? He like gets bumped. I think that's his exercise, but he's doing heavy lifting for us. How many of you go digging and make these amazing threads? How many of you write little articles on your blogs? How many of you just go out there and spread the message and start talking, get the conversation going? How many of you put it out? Haley Kennington put out an article today about lockstep. And that's something from a document that I knew existed from a long, long time ago. Wait, there's more of them, but it's not the right time to show and reflect until it's the right time. And this is the right time. Now that we're over this, now that the president said, this is done, you're done. It's not happening anymore. We're finished. No more of this, you know, lockdown thing. Uh, I'll leave it to your governors. Let's liberate the States. This is a time where you see that everything is there. Uh, like I said, and I've been saying, their objective is to enslave every man, woman, and child on this planet. Because without you, they cannot operate. You are their currency. You are their fuel. And if they cannot control you, then they have no, and that means they have no power over you. So this is how we take a stand. Use the tools we already have. Use dialogue in order to smoke it out. So on that note, I want to wish you guys a wonderful weekend. And for all of you that are celebrating Easter, happy Easter, happy resurrection. I'm really hoping my church does open for at least a resurrection service. God bless everyone. 
and hopefully we'll get our Trump bucks soon.